Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor. There. He is. Right. He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers oil for the student newspaper there, the oil of Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Well, we've made it. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Chiefs and the Bucks tonight at 5.30. The game will be on CBS. It's going to be a good game. We're talking a lot of football today for obvious reasons. Here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you until noon. Great to be back with you for another week. Like I said, the big game is tonight. But there's also some non-Super Bowl talk that we have to get to, and I'm going to waste no time getting to this one because the rumors have been flying around. ESPN 1000 has dubbed it quarterback hot potato, and here we are. Super Bowl Sunday, we're talking about the Bears quarterback situation because there's a rumor with a lot of smoke going around the internet. Saw it last night. Natalie Eganoff from NBC Sports Philadelphia was the first one I saw with this. There were rumors flying around about Carson Wentz and the Bears beforehand because the Bears are just linked to Every quarterback on the market, it seems like, because they're looking for a quarterback now. Mr. Trubisky is basically not coming back. It's not confirmed, but it's basically confirmed that Mitch isn't coming back. So the Bears need a quarterback. You heard Matthew Stafford's name thrown around. You've heard Derek Carr's name thrown around. You've heard Jimmy Garoppolo's name. It's Carson Wentz's turn, and this one seems to be picking up some steam. Natalie Aganoff of 97.5 The Fanatic and NBC Sports Philadelphia reported last night Sources telling me Bears' deal for Wentz is close. Nick Foles is speculated to be included with another offensive player and a first-rounder. Buckle up. And she followed up with this. Name I'm hearing is Tariq Cohen, a first-rounder, and yes, world, Nick Foles. Another tweet here that I just saw today, this was later last night from Howard Eskin out in Philadelphia, Rumors all over tonight on Eagles' trade of cute quarterback Carson Wentz. Here's what I'm told. Wentz and a draft pick to the Bears for number one draft pick, which is first-round draft pick. Quarterback Nick Foles and running back Tariq Cohen, who is coming off ACL injury but should be ready in September. We have smoke, ladies and gentlemen. This one is picking up some steam. This is sounding like it's getting real, and I don't know how I feel about it. I really don't. I'm not a big Carson Wentz fan. As you know, I'm not a big Nick Foles fan by any means. I want to know your thoughts. Please tweet me at NickSchultz underscore 7 on Twitter or slide into my DMs. My DMs are open. I check them during the show pretty regularly. Am I the only one who's sitting here squirming about this? Carson Wentz, in my eyes, is another Mitchell Trubisky. What do I mean by that? Comparatively speaking... If you had to pick between the two, people want to take Carson Wentz. I'm not a Carson Wentz fan. I know last year, this past year, he was bad this year. I mean, laughably bad this year. Then again, Trubisky was last year. This year, I thought he turned a corner in a way. There are pros and cons with this type of deal. If it means it gets Nick Foles' contract partially or mostly off the books, that's a good start because I have said on this show many times now that Nick Foles' contract is going to hold the Bears back. 
because he's being paid an obscene amount of money for a backup. He can't start. We saw that this year. The guy just cannot start games unless he's playing Superman, which he did when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. He came in and took over for Carson Wentz and led them to a Super Bowl, and he won Super Bowl MVP. Since then, it's been downhill. I think it's safe to say that Foles would not be real happy if the Bears went out and traded for Carson Wentz and you basically have the same situation you had in 2018 where Wentz is starting and Foles is backing up, just with a different team four years later. I think it's safe to say he wouldn't like that. So I could see why Foles would be included in this deal, which, don't get me wrong, I'm happy, I'm happy that the Bears are looking, they're not tying themselves to Nick Foles. That makes me feel a little bit better about the situation because I was worried Foles would be the starter and they'd bring in a backup. In this case, they're being aggressive going after a veteran quarterback. Whether you like Carson Wentz or not, I do like that the Bears are being aggressive and going after a veteran QB. That said, let's look at some numbers because I like to look at numbers. And let me get... I'm on pro football reference to give you an idea. So I have basically every stat known to man here. And I'm not talking sabermetrics because I don't really listen to sabermetrics that much. So here's what we've got. Carson Wentz. He's a pro bowler, one-time pro bowler, one-time Super Bowl champion, and that was the year he got hurt. He had a great year in 2017, 11-2 record, 7.5 touchdown percentage. He threw 33 touchdown passes. Consensus was he was going to be the MVP of the league that year before he got hurt. I believe that was a knee injury. Yeah, he got hurt. Since that year, a 5-6 record in 11 starts, 69.6 completion percentage, 5.2% touchdown percentage. He threw 21 touchdown passes. That was in 2018. 2019, 16 starts, 9-7 record. 63.9 completion percentage, 27 touchdowns. That's 4.4% touchdown percentage. Then this past year, this past year was rough for our buddy Carson. 12 starts, 3-8-1 record, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. His interception rate was 3.4%. His touchdown rate was 3.7%. I don't want to look at solely this past year, because let's be honest, in case you haven't heard, We live in unprecedented times. This season was a season unlike any other. You hear that all the time. I don't want to just look at this past year. But it doesn't make me feel much better seeing the numbers change like that. That said, I know he had a bad situation in Philadelphia. I know he and Doug Peterson didn't exactly get along toward the end. There was a rift there. Peterson's gone now. I do like Jalen Hurts. I think if I had to choose between the two, I'd take Jalen Hurts over Carson Wentz. I know the situation didn't help that these didn't help these numbers, and that's part of the reason they dropped like they did. His completion percentage went from 69.6 in 2018 to 57.4% in 2020. I'm not making any excuses though, because the interception percentage more than doubled from last year. And again, I know it was a weird year. I get it. But let's look at Trubisky's numbers. Because I have those open too. I don't count 2017. Because that was the year under John Fox and Dowell Loggins that I really don't think should count against Mitch. But for argument's sake, I did use Wentz's first year. So I'm going to talk about Trubisky's first year. 12 starts after taking over for Mike Lennon. 4-8 and eight record. 59.4% completion percentage. 2.1% touchdown percentage. 2018. The year Trubisky was selected as an alternate to the Pro Bowl after Jared Goff opted out because of the Super Bowl. 11-3 record. This was also the first year with Matt Nagy. 11-3 record as a starter in 14 starts. 66.6 completion percentage. 24 touchdown passes. That's 5.5% touchdown percentage. 12 interceptions, though. 2019. Year things took a step back. 15 starts. 8-7 record. 63.2% completion percentage. 17 touchdowns. 10 interceptions. And this past year, 10 starts, or 10 games, 9 starts, 6-3 record, 67% completion percentage, 16 touchdown passes, 5.4% touchdown percentage, 
We've talked about Trubisky's year a lot. I really don't think Trubisky's coming back. So if you're doing the math, Trubisky's 29-21-0 and 0 as a start, as a starter. Carson Wentz in his career as a starter is 35-32-1. and 1. So they're very similar record-wise. Wentz obviously has one more year. Wentz was the number two overall pick in 2016. Trubisky the number two overall pick in 2017. I don't need to tell you that. As we talked about that draft. You heard the numbers. I really don't think this guy is the answer at quarterback. I get that Pace wants to take a big swing. This would be a big swing. You'd be taking a chance on a guy who had a really rough year this past year. And I don't, I, I hate kind of poking fun at the guy, but he kind of turned into a punchline toward the end. We all know what happened with Doug Peterson in that last game when he benched Jalen Hurts and brought in a guy nobody had ever heard of to the point where I can't even remember his name right now. I don't know if Carson Wentz was available for that game or not. I know the situation wasn't great. I know he got dealt a pretty bad hand. Is it worth it if you're trying to win now to bring in Carson Wentz? Because I still can make the case, and I, I want to hear if you disagree with me. The Bears are still in win-now mode. I think that's safe to say. They still have a win-now roster. The defense is still a high-caliber defense. I know they took some steps back, but I really think having Sean Desai take over as DC after Chuck Pagano retired or ch will change things because I didn't like Pagano's scheme toward the end. I thought he played too conservative. I think Desai is going to be more aggressive because he was under Vic Fangio. He was Vic Fangio's right-hand man. He got the Godfather's approval. I think the defense is going to get back to that high caliber. So the Bears have a win-now roster, especially if they can find a way to bring back Allen Robinson. More on that in a second. You bring in a guy like Carson Wentz, how much better does he make you? Does he make you better? I'm not sure. If he didn't have such a bad year this year, I'd be a little bit more optimistic. But you're bringing in a guy who's coming off a really bad year, hoping that a change of scenery will turn him back into the quarterback that he was in 2017-2018. That is a huge swing for a GM who got an extra year to keep his job. And I go to this tweet from Ed Werder at ESPN. He tweeted this yesterday. Once I find it again. He, he tweeted something very similar about this and how Pace and Nagy got one more year and this is what they're doing with it. They're taking a huge swing on this guy, Carson Wentz, who was once considered an MVP candidate who last year turned in a laughably bad year. Here's what Ed Werder had to say yesterday as this was starting to unfold. Bears GM Ryan Pace and head coach Matt Nagy were provided one more year by ownership to prove themselves. It would take a lot of nerve to bet your last chance on Carson Wentz coming off his 2020 season. I agree with that 100%. This is the guy. When you have, you've been linked to other quarterbacks, such as Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. Safe to say Derek Carr is not going back to Las Vegas. I almost said Oakland. He, he's not going back to Las Vegas. Jimmy Garoppolo's time in San Francisco is done. I think I would take Derek. I would definitely take Derek Carr over Carson Wentz. And I think if it came down to it, I'd take Jimmy Garoppolo over Carson Wentz. This is just, I don't want to say it's baffling because it's really its really not all that baffling that the Bears are looking at this. I mean, if they were just doing their homework on a veteran quarterback, I get it. But this is going to be a pretty big deal. I mean, they're talking blockbuster. So what did I do yesterday when all this was going down? I've read the Chicago Sun-Times. And Patrick Finley put a column out there about whether or not Carson Wentz would be the answer for the Bears. The headline 
is would Carson Wentz make sense for the Bears? Yes and no. Here's what he had to say. No. Mitchell Trubisky was better last year. Wentz, in fact, might have posted the worst season by any starter in the NFL. In only 12 games, he threw a league-high 15 interceptions. His 72.8 passive rating was the worst of any quarterback with 400 or more passes and the third worst of any quarterback with at least 100 attempts. Yes, Wentz's ceiling tops that of Trubisky. In 2017, he was the NFL MVP before hurting his knee in Week 13. No. Coach Matt Nagy is close friends with former Eagles coach Doug Peterson, who was fired last month. Among the reasons for the split, a reported rift between Peterson and Wentz, whom Peterson benched for the last four games in favor of rookie Jalen Hurts. If there's dirt on Wentz, Nagy probably has heard of it. Would Nagy want to bet his head coaching career in a must-win season on Wentz? Yes. Bears quarterbacks coach John Filippo served in the same role during Wentz's dominant run in 2017. Wentz's experience in Philadelphia means he knows the basics of the Bears' scheme, something general manager Ryan Pace cited as a reason for trading for Nick Foles last year. No, he's pricey. Wentz has four years and $98.4 million left on his contract and $47.4 million worth of guarantees over the next two years. After 2022, he can be cut at no cost. The Bears are projected to be $10.7 million over the salary cap if it's set at $175 million, according to OverTheCap.com, but the cap could go up the next month. I want to pause there. This doesn't have the context of Nick Foles being in that deal. If Nick Foles is in that deal, I'm not sure what the cap hit would be, but I, I'm not sure they'd be $10.7 million over. Let's continue on. There are only a couple more here. Yes. Wentz's contract figures to drive down the Eagles' asking price. Would anyone dare offer a late first-round pick? And maybe the Bears could get something back for their troubles. The Lions scored extra draft picks for taking Goff, whose contract is similarly problematic. The Eagles can't logically cut Wentz, but they could be incentivized to trade him by March 19th when he's due a $10 million roster bonus. They would eat $33.8 million in dead cap money by trading him before then. No... Wentz posted his worst season at the Eagles draft at Hurts. When Wentz was with Foles, he watched Foles win the Super Bowl one year and beat the Bears in a playoff game the next. Would Wentz look over his shoulder at Foles again? Again, this is before the Foles deal, so this is where this point comes in. Yes, the Bears could include Foles in their trade package back to the Eagles. The Eagles, w the Bears then would need to add a backup passer. It wouldn't be Trubisky. He and Wentz share the same agents who probably wouldn't want both clients fighting for the same starting job. Here's the one that hurts. No, trading for Wentz would take the Bears out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. That's it, the Texans decide to trade their star quarterback. And then this point, yes, what chances do the Bears have of winning that sweepstakes anyway? Now, I know I've talked on here the last few weeks about Deshaun Watson to the Bears and how it's kind of my pipe dream and I want it to happen. Realistically speaking, I don't think the Bears have the package to offer. I don't think they have the draft picks. I don't think they have the players. I don't know... It, I don't know if they'd be able to have the best offer for Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, as a fan, as a meatball fan, absolutely do whatever it takes to get Deshaun Watson. Realistically speaking, would Watson want to come to the Bears because he's got no trade clause? Would the Bears have the best offer when Miami can offer multiple picks and Tua Tagovailoa? Or the Jets can offer multiple picks, multiple really good picks? Those are kind of his preferred destinations. That's a lot to unpack, but it's kind of a double-edged sword. I really... I wanted to be really mad about this, because yesterday when this first broke, I was sitting here just cussing at my phone, like, why Carson Wentz? Why this guy? He had a bad year last year. In thinking about it, you can't entirely go off this past year because, again, he was an MVP candidate in 2017-2018. So maybe... I, I go back to Ed Werder's tweet. This is a huge swing to take when you're fighting for your jobs if you're Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. That, that's just a big risk you're taking. You're going all in on a guy who's coming off a laughably bad year. And you're hoping that a change of scenery can turn him back into that MVP caliber player. I know 
John DiFilippo being there will help. And it makes me wonder how he'd do in a Bill Lazor offense, assuming Bill Lazor calls plays. We don't know who's calling plays next year. We have no idea what the plan is for play calling next year. But there's another name that I think could be in the conversation. And it just came out about 10 minutes before I went on the air. I just finished putting my notes together when this came out, and I wanted to talk about this. Adam Schefter at 10.47 a.m. During trade talks to try and acquire Matthew Stafford, the Carolina Panthers made a serious offer to the Lions of their eighth overall pick, a fifth-round pick, and quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, per league sources. Detroit opted to take the Rams offer. Carolina's still looking. Well, all that aside, you took Jared Goff over Teddy Bridgewater? Anyway, if Teddy Bridgewater's out there, add him to the list of names. Maybe look at him. Maybe see if you can't make something happen for him. Because I was pulling for Teddy Bridgewater last year. And from what I understand, this was a report from 670 The Score, was that the Bears had a good offer for Bridgewater, but wouldn't guarantee him the starting job, which is why he went to Carolina. So maybe that's another name in the mix. Well, let's go back to the report about the trade package for Carson Wentz. The talk of a first-round pick. That first-round pick, if that's for this coming draft, the 2021 draft, if that is a first-round pick for the 2021 draft, burn it down. If you can, you need to give up first-round pick for 2022. Why do I say that? Because, again, the Bears are in. They have a win-now roster. Whether they won, they didn't win as many games as they should have this year. They have a win-now roster. You keep that draft pick for this year, you can bring in a stud wide receiver or an offensive lineman. Bring in an offensive lineman in the first round. I am all for that because the offensive line is terrible. Don't give up that first-round pick. Granted, knowing Ryan Pace, that's as good as gone. No matter what deal they make, he's going to be like, oh, we don't need that draft pick. Here, take it. That's probably what's going to happen. I wouldn't hate the trade if that was a 2022 first-round pick. My buddy Jonah Blatt chimes in, my only issue with Wentz is that he's kind of a reclamation project. I agree. The final years with the Eagles murdered his confidence, so you're going to have to be patient with him if you get him. Yes, that's, that's basically what I'm saying. Do you have time to have that patience? The draft capital was insulting compared to the Rams' offer. Come on now. Okay, Jonah, you're still stuck with Jared Goff instead of Teddy Bridgewater. Come on. If you had to choose between the two, who are you taking? I'm taking Teddy Bridgewater in a heartbeat. I really don't think Jared Goff's all that great a quarterback. I've been on the record saying that multiple times now. I don't think he's that good a quarterback. I would take Teddy Bridgewater in a heartbeat. So, yes, the draft capital was insulting. You got the draft capital because you had to eat Jared Goff's contract. Let's move on to the Super Bowl while we're talking football here because that game's coming up at 5.30. We made it to Super Bowl Sunday. All those talks, all those times we talked about the NFL moving games or canceling games because of COVID-19 and the season not finishing because of COVID-19. We had, it was a crazy year. Games got moved to game, days they'd never been played, looking at Wednesdays. I want to say we had an NFL game on every day of the week this year. They made it. They made it through the pandemic season. Super Bowl Sunday is here. Until that, until it kicks off tonight, though, gotta, you got to wait a few more hours. But we've made it here. There's supposed to be a game tonight. 5.30 kickoff between the Chiefs and the Bucks. Chiefs are favored by 3.5 last I looked. I think some places have it at 3, but I first saw 3.5. And, and there's so many prop bets tonight. That's, that's one of the best things about Super Bowl Sunday is the amount of, prospect, or the amount of prospects. The amount of prop bets. I'm going to talk about prospects the last 20 minutes. The amount of prop bets for tonight is insane. The amount of things you can bet on. You got Patrick Mahomes, who's a young and up-and-coming quarterback, who I really don't want to like, seeing as though the Bears could have had him in 2017, and instead we got Mitchie Mitch, versus the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. And yes, I'm finally saying it. I, I wasn't going to. 
I have been squarely on the train of Joe Montana as the GOAT. Then Brady took this Bucks team to the Super Bowl. He just went to Tampa Bay and took them to a Super Bowl. So, yeah, Tom Brady's the GOAT. I know I'm flipping. I don't care. It's time to it's time to admit it. If he didn't take this team to the Super Bowl, if it was another Patriots team, this would be another conversation. But he took this Tampa Bay team to the Super Bowl, even if he loses tonight, which I think he will. The greatest of all time. Which, fun fact, am I the only one who laughed when I read that Patrick Mahomes was six years old when Brady first played in a Super Bowl? That just cracks me up. The, the age difference between the two quarterbacks tonight. And the amount of greatness between the two quarterbacks. Because I love the Chiefs. I love Patrick Mahomes' gameplay. Again, I don't want to just thinking about what could have been in 2017 if the Bears didn't trade up to get Mitch and instead traded up for Mahomes. Which I, I think it's safe to say that Mahomes wouldn't be Mahomes if the Bears took him because he'd have spent a year under John Fox and Dowell Loggins, which I still consider a lost year for Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, I think that's part of Mitch's issue was that that rookie year, he was behind Mike Glennon to start. Problem number one. Yeah, John Fox as his coach, problem number two. And he had Dowell Loggins as his offensive coordinator, problem number three. Matt Nagy didn't come in until year two for Mitch. And I think that was part of the issue. So I really don't think Mahomes would be Mahomes if he went to Chicago. But it's still what could have been. But I love the Chiefs. I love their gameplay. I love their game plan. I love Eric Bieniemy. I think it's a crime that that man hasn't gotten a head coaching offer. I read something today that his contract is up and he's going to probably sign an extension with the Chiefs to come back because no one hired him as a head coach. Which I get he's not a good interviewer. Like, that happens. I know, I know people who just don't interview well but are very talented. Why don't you look past a bad interview and trust his work? Like, his work speaks for itself. And the fact that he doesn't have a job yet, just, I'm so, I'm confused as to how Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a job. I get, I know the argument like, oh, Matt Nagy was Andy Reid's offensive coordinator before becoming head coach. That's, I get that argument, I really do, but that's all coming from Chicago, people who just want Nagy gone. I still don't think Nagy's the issue, the entire issue. I think it's the, the roster he's dealt, and the system couldn't work with Trubisky. But I get, I get the people who say that. But, I mean, I just I, lo- I like Eric Bieniemy a lot. Uh, Jonah chimes in again, he's got to be the heir apparent to Andy Reid. That's my best guess. Yeah, I've heard that a couple places now. I mean, Andy Reid's in his 60s. Could Bieniemy be sticking around to try and take over or, like, not be the head, not head coach in waiting, but basically getting himself prepared to take over for Andy Reid one day? I've heard that. I don't know how much water that holds, but I could see that. But, I mean, you if he stays around, which it looks like, it looks like he will, with Patrick Mahomes, and I want to say Bieniemy calls the plays. I, I want to say bieniemy has been calling these plays, and he, he's a good play caller. I, I think the Chiefs can continue having something special. I mean, between Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, Travis Kelsey at tight end, who had arguably the best year for a tight end in history, Tyreek Hill at wide receiver, and I also like low-key really like Clyde Eberzelaire. I know that they don't use the run game that much. They're very pass-heavy. But I really like Clyde Edwards-Elair. And I think he's going to be another good piece, another good addition, good supporting castmate going forward. Like, don't sleep on Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Elair. I'm actually picking the Chiefs tonight. And I'm going big. Chiefs 42, Bucks 28. That's my prediction tonight. Yeah, I think I think the Chiefs could win by two touchdowns. I, I'm kind of... I'm. I'm doing like Ryan Pace here. I'm taking a big swing. I'm swinging for the fence. But that's what I'm, that's, I could see that happening. I could also see 35-28. But it's Patrick Mahomes. I could definitely see two touchdowns. Absolutely. 
As we hit the bottom of the hour, I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm coming to you from my garage in Dwight, Illinois, where it is a beautiful two degrees below zero, at least according to my watch here. I know it got up to about zero today, so I hope everybody's staying warm, staying safe, because it is very cold. I don't know how it is in the city, but I know down here in central Illinois, it is really cold. It was a lot of fun warming up my car today to go get my cup of coffee, because I always get a cup of coffee before a show. As I sit here drinking my iced coffee, but we won't talk about that right now. It's because I'm cold-blooded, but it's very cold today. Everybody stay safe, stay warm, and this isn't going away. It's going to be really cold all week. Beautiful day to stay inside and watch Super Bowl. That's enough football talk for today because the Bulls are in the news again. They made a big win last night over Orlando, and I mean a big win last night. That was a great game. It was a good bounce back, too, because they probably shouldn't have lost that first game to Orlando. I know Lowry Markkinen went down with a shoulder injury, which didn't help. I think if Lowry's in that game, they pull it out. But coming off that tough loss in game one to bounce back win game two like they did last night, uh, what was I don't even remember what the final score was. I know it was a blowout. Final score, 118-92. to 92. The Bulls were up 30 at one point. First time, I want to say it's the first time all year they've been up 30 points instead of being down 30 points. Patrick Williams had himself a coming out party of sorts. He had 20 points the other night. Last night he put up his first career double-double. I really like what I'm seeing out of that kid. And I was going back and forth with a buddy on Twitter. He retweeted Tyrese Halliburton's stats from yesterday. 23 points, 12 in the fourth quarter, 6 assists, 4 threes, 8 of 12 shooting. He's the first Kings rookie with 20 points and 5 assists on 65-plus percent field goal percentage since Tyreek Evans. And if this was last year, if Halliburton was taken last year and the Bulls chose Kobe White over him, I'd be a little upset that they missed out on him. But I'm a big Patrick Williams fan. I like his game. I've watched some film on the kid. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be really, really good with the player development system that Billy Donovan has in place now with this new front office. The big leap he took this weekend was huge. I mean, he dropped he dropped 20 the other night, and he had that double-double last night. Really like what I'm seeing out of Patrick Williams. But this lineup isn't perfect. We talked about this last couple of weeks. There have been trade rumors flying around, and now we have another one, and this one's also picking up steam. You're noticing a trend here with trade rumors? Because the NBA trade deadline's coming up in March, which is weird to say because if we were having a quote-unquote normal season, the deadline would have been yesterday. But the trade deadline's in March, so we have some trade talk. And I've been talking about Lonzo Ball the last couple weeks and how I wouldn't hate it if the Bulls traded for him. Now we have another rumor surrounding Lonzo Ball and the Chicago Bulls. I read this today in Bleacher Nation Bulls today. That's Elias Schuster doing great work over there. Uh, Action Network reporter Matt Moore reports multiple league sources told Action Network that Chicago is currently the most likely landing spot for Lonzo Ball. It's based on multiple factors, including the preference of both Ball and his agent, Rich Paul, Chicago's interest in making a roster move, and the Pelicans' openness to discussions. I told you what Brian Windhorst said about the possibility of Lonzo to Chicago. I told you what my pal Scoop B. Robinson said about Lonzo coming to Chicago. I've talked about this on the Believe in Bulls podcast as well, and I will again this week. Might try and book a guest for this one just with these rumors picking up speed, picking up steam. But I go back to it. I wouldn't hate it if Lonzo Ball came to the Bulls because they need a true point guard. And I love Kobe White. I really, really do. I, I think he's going to be a, re- a really good player in this league if he develops right, and he's kind of having a down year this year. When I say down year, I mean he's not even – he was like third high, third best odds for most improved player, and now he's not even listed because he's having, he's having a bad year. But he, he's trying to be more of a facilitator, which I appreciate. I'm glad he's trying to step into the role that the, that the Bulls want him to take. I, I know the Bulls drafted him as a true point guard, thinking he'd be the true point guard of the future. Billy Donovan has said he's the point guard. Not sure he's the answer at point. You bring in a guy like Lonzo, who can pass, he can shoot, 
I think he fills the need. And he's having a decent year this year. He kind of went off the other day. He had like seven threes the other day. So he's having a decent year. He's doing better now than he did when he was with the Lakers. Because when he was with the Lakers, it's fair to say, he was overrated in the draft. He was in the draft. His name was in the draft because of his dad, who's kind of shut up lately, I've noticed. You haven't heard much from LeVar. Now, if he come, if Lonzo goes to Chicago, it's going to be amplified a little bit because it's it's the Chicago media. But I think Lonzo is doing pretty well in New Orleans, and I think he's making himself an attractive trade candidate. If he was still with the Lakers, I would not want this at all. If you remember when he was drafted, I said explicitly that I did not want Lonzo Ball on the Bulls. But listen to this lineup. Now. This is a healthy Bulls roster, this lineup. I want to make that perfectly clear. Because right now, Wendell Carter's out with a quad bruise for another couple weeks. We don't know how long Lowry Markkinen's out. But if the Bulls are fully healthy, a lineup of Lonzo Ball, Kobe White, Zach Levine, Lowry Markkinen, and Wendell Carter looks pretty good. Sorry, Patrick Williams, you're going to have to go to the bench, which I think would help him a little bit. Should he be starting? Probably. But with if you bring in a true point like, like Lonzo, There's really no room for Patrick Williams in that lineup, assuming they're fully healthy. With no Wendell, I'd put Patrick Williams back in and put Lowry at the five and have Daniel Gafford come off the bench just because he's kind of a defensive liability. Granted, so is Lowry. But I think a small ball lineup would go a long way in helping pick up the pace of the game, let the Bulls stretch the floor out a little bit. So I, I think Daniel Gafford, that experiment is not going well at all. Now, if Lowry's out, I think you go with Lonzo, Kobe, Zach, Patrick Williams, and Daniel Gafford because you you need a fifth. Maybe you can throw Thad Young there if you want to go small ball. But all in all, I I think Lonzo with the true point would be good because it would allow Zach to continue scoring really well, which he dropped, what did he drop last night, 37? It would allow Kobe White to not have to facilitate so much. He can focus on shooting. He can focus on shooting the ball instead of trying to facilitate more, and I think that would benefit him in the long run. So I I think there's more upsides than downsides to having a guy like Lonzo Ball come in, depending on the trade package. Now, that's one thing we haven't heard much about. Who would be traded to New Orleans for Lonzo Ball? Would you trade Lowry Markkinen? I'm not so sure. Because I, I think Lowry's starting to turn a corner, and I mean it doesn't help doesn't help much that he just hurt his shoulder the other night, and we don't know what his status is. So would Lowry Markkinen be involved? Would Thaddeus Young be involved? I heard I read that from Joe Cowley at the Chicago Sun Times that Thaddeus Young is drawing some trade interest. Someone who's drawing trade interest that I kind of talked about last week, whether you trade him or not. And a column from Casey Johnson kind of reaffirmed my position here. KC wrote last night for NBCSportsChicago.com, time for Bulls to plan for future with Levine, not without. Basically, he writes, the Bulls should not trade Zach Levine. They should extend him, not trade him. And I think I'm tending to agree. I've said multiple times that Zach is not a number one guy. He's, you can look at any of these te- any of the teams in the league. Would Zach Levine be a number one guy on any team? Probably not. Now, let me amend that a little bit. Would he be a number one guy on a team that's trying to contend for a championship? Probably not. Is he number one on the Bulls? Yes, but that's because they're not contending for a championship. They're playing for the last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. But I agree with KC that it's time to, I think the Bulls need to extend Zach Levine. He had 39.7 rebounds and four assists last night. And KC writes, quote, that added to the growing body of evidence that this game, that his game continues to evolve, that it came one night after he focused on accepting the defensive attention and deferring more than, and deferring more than scoring before blitzing the Magic for 24 fourth quarter points and Friday's loss displays his entire package. You'd miss Levine if he's gone. Levine posted his ninth game this season of 30 points or more. If the 89% free throw shooter, that's a great number, 89% free throw shooter, didn't uncharacteristically miss three of five, he would have bagged his second 40-point game. But scoring is what Levine has always done, sometimes making it look effortless. 
that he's averaging 5.3 assists, well above his previous career best of 4.5, is emblematic of his maturity and recognition. That dynamic can cut the other way, too. With his postgame comments to reporters Friday, Levine essentially warned the Magic he would come out more aggressively on Saturday night. With Lowry Markkinen, Otto Porter Jr., and Wendell Carter Jr. all out due to injuries, he scored 11 first-quarter points and 22 by halftime. Zach is explosive. He can score at will. I do worry down when it gets down to crunch time how he responds because sometimes he takes some questionable shots down the stretch because he tries to do too much. But no, I, I agree with KC. I probably am on team keep Zach Levine instead of team trade Zach Levine. Especially after what he did last night against Orlando. So I, I think definitely keep Zach. One other note, I've been kind of tough on Denzel Valentine lately. He did have a good game last night. I turned in another. He turned in a 20-point performance. He was heating up from three. I thought he had a good game last night. He's still taking some questionable shots, which is, I mean, that's going to happen. I mean, Will Purdue kind of called him out on the pregame show about it. Like, Denzel got the start last night, and Will said something along the lines of, get ready for some questionable shots from Denzel Valentine. So I have to give credit where credit's due. Denzel had a good game last night. I think he's another interesting piece going forward with these trade packages. Could he be included? Are there teams interested in him? I don't know, but I think he's a name to watch. And last night's game also saw a reappearance of Cristiano Felicio and Ryan Archidiacono in the rotation. Did Chandler Hutchison get in at all? I don't think he I don't think Chandler Hutchison played last night, which I thought was funny. Look, Felicio and Arch, they can get in during games like that where it's lopsided, it's blowout, they, Billy wants to get him some minutes. Like, that's great. I hope that's the only time we see Cristiano Felicio and Ryan Archidiacono. I think Luke Cornett got in too, so I almost tweeted Robert Horry citing. If you remember Jim Boylan's quote about how he how Luke Cornett reminded him of Robert Horry, which still makes me crack up every time I think about it. Whenever I'm in a bad mood, I'll just think of that quote and I'll, I'll start smiling and it'll, it'll be all better. So some, some names that were toward the back of the bench got in last night, which was good. They better stay at the back end of the bench. And also, not a fan of the man bun from Ryan Archie Diacono. Just saying. It'd be one thing if he was star player in the league and could back it up with a game. But I, I joked that he's man number 12 in an 11-man rotation. Ditch the man bun. Please. We got a couple other notes from today, uh, Albert Almora is signing with the New York Mets. I saw that this morning. That was from Ken Rosenthal. He tweeted, the Mets have found their center fielder. They're in agreement with free agent Albert Almora pending a physical. Almora will not necessarily be an everyday player, more of a right-handed hitting option in the Marisnik Lagares mode. So he's going to be platooned, which is how he should be. That's how he was with the Cubs, but that's kind of... The end of an era because Almora did score the eventual game-winning run in the World Series. And that I know he kind of tapered off there toward the end. That's why the Cubs weren't going to bring him back. But that was just a nugget from today's news that I saw on Twitter. Rosenthal broke that about three hours ago. We've also got to talk some college hoops because Loyola put on a good performance against Evansville yesterday. It was a good game for the Ramblers against the Purple Aces at Gentile Arena. I really like what I saw from Cameron Crutwig. Another 20-point performance for him. Trying to get the final score of that one here. My computer's loading a little bit slow today. Final score, 68-55. to Crutwig, 20 points, 11 rebounds. Ramblers, now 16-3 overall and 11-1 in Valley play. They were in the AP poll this week in the others receiving votes category. That AP poll is going to see some shaking up tomorrow even depending on what happened today. Just this week, follow me here, just this week, numbers 5, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, and 16 all lost this week. Crazy week in college hoops. So could Loyola crack the top 25? Drake's already at number 25, which they they survived Valpo yesterday. That was I th- For a second, I thought Valpo was going to I thought that Valpo was going <laughs> to pull that one off. But that second game, that second game in, a, 
in a week now that Drake's had to fight off and pull out a tight victory. And Jonah chimes in, rank Loyola and 23 yesterday. And 23 yesterday. And 23 what yesterday? Did I miss something yesterday? Yesterday I had a bad Twitter day. <laughs> yeah, I, I do I do want to like openly apologize for getting Marquise Kennedy's injury wrong. Like usually I'm pretty on top of that. And just I, I mixed games. There's one game he did tweak his ankle. Oh, Kansas lost yesterday. Number 23, Kansas lost. That was what he said. So yeah, number 23 lost too. But no, I, I do... I got that wrong, and I had a tweet wrong about the uh, Valley favorites were 0-2 against the spread, and all I said was the Valley was 0-2 against the spread. It was a rough Twitter day for me. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, number 23, Kansas lost yesterday, so Loyola could jump into those rankings. They had 52 votes this week. They were essentially the number 28 team in the country. Tomorrow, the AP poll drops. Could there be two Valley teams in the rankings heading into next week's matchup? Because, I mean... I know we've got another game left today. We've got a whole week to go. I am really looking forward to Loyola Drake next weekend. It'll be Saturday, Sunday. Game two is on Valentine's Day. I know I have no plans to cancel. I'll be watching that game at work because I'm bartending that night. I'm really excited for that series. I've been looking forward to that now since they rescheduled it. That was probably, what, a couple weeks ago they announced they rescheduled it because it was supposed to be last month. But Drake had a COVID outbreak, and they had to postpone a couple series. And the Loyola series was affected. So we're getting that finally next weekend, this coming weekend, February 13th and 14th. I've got some fun plans in store for that one on this show because that's going to be series of the year. The game's on ESPN2 on Saturday, ESPNU on Sunday. It's going to be great national exposure for the Valley. And I hope it lives up to the billing because these are two Really, really good teams in college basketball. I mean, let me pull up the Ken Palm rankings here. Ken Pomeroy does his rankings. Loyola is number 13 in Ken Palm today. So they're a top 15 Ken Palm team. Drake checks in at number 51. But if you check out the net rankings, the NCAA evaluation tool, which replaced the RPI in the metrics, if you're not a college basketball fan and don't follow it that close, these metrics the net especially kind of helps determine who gets the at-large bids to march madness or at least that's how they're supposed to work drake is number 13 in the net and loyola chicago is number 14 in the net which is really cool that both teams are top 15 in the net and they're back to back it shows you just how good of seasons they're having so the ap poll is voted on by the writers i do want to kind of give an explanation here the associated press poll that comes out every monday is voted on by the writers. The net and Ken Palm is based on metrics and stats, etc. So that's more stat-based. The AP poll is more opinion-based. So that's the big difference between the two. So the fact that Drake and Loyola are 13 and 14, respectively, in the net is really good for the Valley. Because I've said that the Valley's a strong league this year. It's going to be a crazy league. I think Drake and Loyola have solidified themselves in a category of their own. Now there's still a lot of game there are a lot of games left. I want to say we've only got a couple more weeks left before Arch Madness comes around. There's a lot to play before the conference tournament. But I think Drake and Loyola have put themselves in a category of their own because I keep talking about my different tiers for college basketball or for for the Missouri Valley. I, I ranked them into three different groups. It used to be Loyola, Bradley, Drake, 1 through 3, Illinois State, 10, 3 through 9, everybody else. Now I think Drake and Loyola are now their own category, and Bradley has fallen into the 3 through 9 group. And I think Indiana State's on the higher end of that. Like, let's look at the standings here. Drake's in first place at 9-0, and 18-0 overall, by the way, which is very impressive considering they were picked 8th in the preseason poll. Loyola's in second at 11-1. and that's based on winning percentage, obviously, because it's COVID year. Not everybody's played the same amount of games. So far, Indiana State, it looks like, has played the most games in conference play at 13. Loyola has played 12. Illinois State has also played 12. Illinois State's 2-10 and 10 in Valley Play. Southern Illinois is 2-7. Rough year for the Salukis, who are down Marcus Domask as well. He broke his foot. 
But you see the difference there. Indiana State is 8-5 and five in third place, and Loyola is 11-1 and one in second place. So that is a, what is it, a three-and-a-half game difference? Now again, Loyola has played one less game than Indiana State, and Drake has only played nine conference games. So the standings are a little weird. We'll get a clearer picture as these rescheduled games start getting played. I don't know what the schedule looks like for those. I know it's been kind of tough to follow because I feel like we're talking about a rescheduled game every week, every day almost. At least it was. Now things seem to be calming down a little bit and taking shape, especially with conference tournaments coming up. We still have rescheduled games during the week, but it uh, we still got some some games that haven't been played yet. And going forward, we'll see what happens. Jonah writes back in, really surprised that SIU stepped back this season. They were looking to be a team to watch headed into the season. Not sure what's gone wrong for them. Well, I think losing Barrett Benson was big from a leadership standpoint. I mean, his stats were his stats were there. Did he make All-Valley last year? I think I voted him for All-Valley. I don't know if he made it. I thought he was a good player on and off the court last year, and I, I think his loss was bigger than everyone thought. Plus, ha- losing Domas to a broken foot, that really hurts. Like, Stephen Verplanken has impressed me as well, one of the newcomers for Southern, but I losing Domas hurts big. And the fact that he's only a sophomore, though, I mean, that's good, especially considering these athletes are going to get another year of eligibility if they want it. This could just be a down year for the Salukis. I'm not too worried about him because, again, losing losing Domask hurts big time. So that doesn't that's a big part of the reason they're struggling like they are. And, again, Barrett Benson graduating out, he was a great leader. He was good on the court. I, I, really, I think – he's kind of an overlooked piece from last year's team. I, I said that last year too, because again, I, I remember I voted for him for all conference last year, and I don't remember if he made it for the life of me. But he had my vote because I've seen, I saw what he did on the court, and I know what he meant off the court. So that was a big part of it. They lost some leaders. They're still a young group. I think Brian Mullins has done a heck of a job down there. I knew he would. I mean, he's coming from a few years under Porter Moser where Brian was moved up to lead assistant at one point. And I, I really think if anyone was going to be the youngest coach in the league, it was going to be Brian because he's, he's a great mind. He was a great player at, at SIU. And I think he came from a good coaching foundation with Porter at Loyola. So yeah, I'm not too overly worried about Southern Illinois. The one I'm worried about is Bradley, actually. Because I really thought Bradley was going to be one of, one of the top teams in the league this year, especially with the way they went in conference in non-conference play, go, the way they went into conference play. I mean, the fact that they're 4-7 and seven right now, they were one of the teams I was thinking maybe for at-large, yet the Valley was going to get an at-large bid with the way they went through non-con. They could have easily went undefeated in non-conference play. They almost beat Mizzou, which would have been huge. They almost beat Toledo, which would have been huge. So, yeah, I, I think Bradley could, Bradley was originally in my top three. And now I'm like, they're in that three through nine, and I'm they might be playing on Thursday. Because they, if the season ended right now, based on winning percentage, they'd be the number six seed. Number seven seed plays Thursday. And right now, your Thursday games at Arch Madness would be Valpo, Northern Iowa, Southern Illinois, and Illinois State. Northern Iowa, again, losing A.J. Green hurt a lot. I mean, they were, gonna, they were preseason favorite for a reason. I'd, I would have voted them number one in preseason. But losing him, Antoine Kimmins went home to his family, which was completely understandable. Those are two big losses there. Austin Fife can't carry the load, even though I think he's first team All-Valley. They're looking like they're going to be playing on Thursday as well. Schedule for today in the Valley. Drake and Valpo at 1 o'clock today. Evansville, Loyola at 1. Missouri State, Illinois State at 2. Indiana State, Northern Iowa at 3. Southern Illinois, Bradley also at 3. So you'll get your Valley fix in before the big game tonight. I'll probably catch a couple of those games because I do. (laughs) I got to work tonight. I have to bartend during the Super Bowl, 
which is going to be very busy. So I'm going to for sure take a nice nap this afternoon to get ready for that because I work till close. I'm going to be very tired. I also got my first COVID vaccine the other day. So I'm finally getting movement back in my arm, which will be nice. So yeah, definitely going to get my nap in this afternoon. I'll throw on a couple of those games. I know I'll probably have the Loyola game on in the background. Uh, Loyola Evansville at one. I want to say that game's on NBC Sports Chicago. It was yesterday with my guys, Jeff Dickerson and Jordan Burnfield. They do great work. I, I love Jordan JD. They're really entertaining on the broadcast. Uh, yeah, it's on NBC Sports Chicago today. Yeah, those two work so well together. That's I, I'll, I'll probably catch them on NBC Sports Chicago today. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be watching all of these, especially because, I mean, Arch Madness is coming up quickly. I mean, today's February 7th. Arch Madness, we are four weeks away from Championship Sunday, or what's supposed to be Championship Sunday. I know there's talk of around college basketball, not specifically the Valley, I don't think, but there's talk of teams opting out of conference tournaments if they're basically guaranteed a spot in March Madness. Not sure how I feel about that. I mean, my way of thinking is if you're worried about COVID and playing at a conference tournament, if you're worried about COVID at all, you probably should have opted out of the season. But on the other side of the coin, I can see why, okay, we've made it this far. We want to play. We play to play in the NCAA tournament. We don't need to win our conference to get in, or we don't need to win our conference tournament to get in. We're going to opt out. Like I, I see where teams are coming from. It's very much a double-edged sword. If I had to pick a side, I'd say probably play in the tournaments. Because, I mean, you played a conference season. Don't just opt out of the tournament. Because, again, you knew what you were getting into with COVID and this season and whatnot. But, again, I see where they're coming from with when they say, we made it this far. We don't want to risk having to quarantine our team for two weeks and miss the NCAA tournament. I, I get it. I do. It's going to be a very interesting few weeks to say the least. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. As I get ahead of myself now, after today's games, we will be talking Loyola Drake. That's going to be just the talk of the league this coming week. I'm really excited for that game. Like I said, I've got a couple ideas for next week's show, how to cover that, because we'll be done with football. So we'll have, unless the Bears go out and trade for Carson Wentz or Derek Carr or somebody, probably have a little bit of that to talk about, but I'm probably going to talk a lot of Loyola Drake next week. And again, got a couple ideas written down. We'll see if I can't get them to come to fruition. But that's still six days away. We'll get through today, get through today's Valley games, get through the Super Bowl tonight. Again, that's going to be, I'm, it's going to be an offensive display. I think you're going to see the best of, Tom Brady, you're going to see the best of Patrick Mahomes. I'm really excited for it. And some of the commercials that have already like been released or been teased will be really funny. One quick note, an old friend here, by the way, as we wrap up the show, the Detroit Pistons are nearing an agreement to send Derrick Rose to the New York Knicks for Dennis Smith Jr. and draft compensation. Sources tell Shams Sharania and James Edwards III at The Athletic. So a little NBA note there. Derrick Rose could be going back to New York, and he could be playing for Tom Thibodeau again. So that's an old friend alert there. In the words of my guy, Josh Nelson, over at Sox Machine. But yeah, it's going to be going back to the Super Bowl. But yeah, the commercials are going to be funny tonight. I saw the one, the Cheetos one, with Shaggy, which cracked me up with uh, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be a funny one. I'm... I'm interested to see what else they have and if they have any more commercials about WandaVision, which if you've seen me on Twitter, I, I promise, no spoilers here. But episode five was insane and I already want to skip to Friday for the next episode because it's going to be... It, it, if you haven't watched it yet, if you're an MCU fan, Marvel Cinematic Universe fan, watch it. I want to see if there's any hints tonight in a Super Bowl commercial about what happens next because I'm, I'm all in. I am all in on WandaVision. It is, it is so good, and I'm geeking out something fierce. I'm out of time. So, again, my prediction for tonight, 
Chiefs 42, Bucks 28, but I could see 35 to 28 as well. I'm kind of swinging for the fences with that prediction. 5:30 kickoff is going to be a great game, an offensive display. Programming note: Missouri Valley Live coming tomorrow on my Twitter page because I work tonight. Time to be determined. Stay tuned for that. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. Stay warm. It's really cold outside. Be careful on the roads. And I hope to talk to you back here next week. Have a great week, everybody.